Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Did y'all go from sweating to sleeting this morning? I was, I was sweating, sweating when I went to bed and sleeting when I woke up this morning. Don't make fun of me. I'm sweeting and sweating, whatever all I meant to say. Is it still sleeting out there, by the way, Andrew? It was this morning. All right. I don't know if you were up when we were up this morning early. Good. You're probably running 14 miles this morning. Well, it's good to see everybody here. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the probably the best known story of all time, David and Goliath. And let me remind you kind of where we were. We were in chapter 16. If you remember, God uh, chose Samuel to go to Bethlehem and to anoint this runt of the litter who was out in the pasture land, this nobody to be the next king of Israel. And the main point of chapter 16 that we saw last week was this is God's chosen man. And we saw that was what it's all about. That was all that mattered was God chose this one. Israel, the people, they chose Samuel. I mean, Saul. They chose Saul, this big, tall dude that you could put a lot of confidence in, a lot of trust in his abilities. But God said, I I chose a different one. This is the one that I choose. And we saw that he had God's chosen hand on him. He had God's spirit on him. And so with that being our context... Why is it that the author, the God-inspired author, the very next story is David and Goliath? In chapter 16, this is God's chosen man. In chapter 17, David and Goliath story. And what we're going to see is that we're going to see a picture of aspects of the spirit-filled chosen one of God. And what we should learn from this is as 2022 approaches and we say, all right, we've got all these, uh, all these New Year's resolutions, all these things we want to accomplish this year, the, the top item on our, on our list should be we want to be a man after God's own heart. We want to be a woman, a, a child, a boy, a girl after God's own heart. We want 2022 more than ever to be a year that we seek after God's heart, that we are a people who seek after God's heart, because that's the way David is described, as a man after God's own heart. But what exactly does that mean? I think that's why David and Goliath is here. That he is showing us, if you want to know what really makes David tick, what really is a man after God's own heart, then study David and Goliath. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to consider what exactly is it that God wants from us if we are to be a people who seek after God's heart this year in 2022? Let's ask the Lord to help us. We've got a long text to go through. Lord, would you teach us this morning as we study this epic battle between David and Goliath, would you teach us what exactly it means to be a people who chase after your heart, to have a heart that mirrors your heart? Lord, would you just help us understand this morning what we should have as our, as our highest priority in 2022, a people who seek after your heart. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Philistines, let me set the scene. In the first few verses, the Philistines, Israel's arch enemies, have assumed the powerful position. They're in the mountains and down on the valley in a weaker position are Israel and their armies. They're quaking in their boots. They're afraid of, of this battle that the battle lines have been drawn. The Philistines versus Israel. And then out walks this man of men. Makes Gary Lash look small. If you know Gary, he's right back there. He's a man among men. Well, not so with this guy. 
This guy, their champion, walks out in verse 4, and it says, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion, very important word, a champion named Goliath of the people of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. It's like scaled armor, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had a bronze armor on his legs, and he had a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me one man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of this massive Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So let's pause there. Meet Goliath, the man of men. He's described here as the champion of the Philistines. And that word champion literally is translated the man of the space in between. The man of the space in between is literal translation of that word champion. In other words, he's the middleman. He's the guy who will go and stand between the enemy and his people. He's the one who will go and champion their cause, who will fight their battles, even unto death if necessary. This is the perfect king. This is the one that Samuel, that, that the Israel said, we want a king like Goliath. We want a guy who is strong and powerful that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to go out into danger. We don't have to have courage. We don't have to have faith because we've got a guy like Goliath, and that's what they wanted Saul to be like. He's the champion of the people, the one who will fight their cause unto death to protect them, provide for them, to be the one that says, I got you. And Goliath. The tallest known man steps forward and challenges Israel. And all they can do is shake in their boots. As they shook, they said, that's the kind of king I wanted. That's the kind of guy that we thought Saul was going to be for us. He's described as the ultimate manly man. And this is an epic literary scene where larger than life descriptions. He is over nine feet tall and he was the greatest man known to bring, to garner the greatest of human confidence. He was of the people of Gath who were known to be giant people from the sea. It's like a sea creature with scales. It's like a sea serpent has come and he has stood before God's armies and challenged them and called them out and he's equipped with the greatest and latest weaponry of technology available to man every square inch of his body is armored and scales of armor cover him 
there's only one little opening in his armor, and it's right there. And he makes an offer to Israel. And don't you know this was a tempting offer as they sat there and cowardly watched this giant come marching out, fully armored with the latest and greatest of technology of weaponry. And he calls them out and he says, I'll make you an offer. Let one man come and fight me. Winner take all. I'd been like, take him. Winner take all. Mono a mano. And if you kill me, we'll all serve you. Remember that. Let's see if he keeps his word. If I kill him, you all serve us, serve me. So here we see champion against champion. Winner takes all. Everyone bows to the winner. It's an epic scene. What happens next? Well, meet David. We're like, we've already met David. Well, the way it's written in the scriptures, you're going to meet him again. In light of this giant, this warrior of all warriors, meet David. And I'll tell you what he does in the text. He basically says, uh, David is Jesse's son. End of description. David's an errand boy. He's going about his life just like you and I do. He's out in the, in the field shepherding the sheep. And then he runs into town to do what the king Saul asked him to do, which is play me some music. Kind of like David Granger. He's, he's the worship leader. He comes in and he says, man, I've got some anxiety going on. It says in the scriptures that the evil spirits would torment him. And so he, they said, he said, what do I do? And his advisor says, you need to go get David. He can play music. The Lord's with him. And when he played music, he calmed the king. And that was his description is David was this shepherd boy, the runt of the litter, running back and forth, just doing his job. I'm sure that when he ran to the king, he's like, seriously, here we go again. Do you know how many sheep I've got to deal with? And he's just doing his job. And that's the guy? That's the guy? So he's just really not that impressive. The son of Jesse. And Jesse says, it says, Jesse says, go into the battle lines. He hasn't heard from his other, his other boys in 40 days because they're on the battlefield. And he says, bring them some food. Bring some cheese to the commanders. This is really what it says. Bring some cheese to the commanders. But what he really wants to know is how are my other boys? Bring back a token of how they're doing. And so we see even... Even his dad is not really that concerned about him. When it came time to anoint the king and they said, Jesse, bring your boys. We're going to see who God chose. He didn't even bring David. He left David out in the village. He's like, surely he's not going to choose David. Of all the people to run a litter, this guy has got nothing. He just takes care of stinky sheep. And now we're told all, he, all he's doing for dad is running errands and going in, taking care of the, the, the brothers and checking in on the brothers. So we pick up in the story, verse 20, with little David scurrying into this incredible epic battle scene. In verse 20, David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper and he took the provisions and he went just as Jesse commanded him to do. And he came to the encampment. The tensions in the air as the host was going out in the battle lines, shouting the war cries. And Israel, the Philistines, drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. Pause there. Who comes to mind when you hear that? The one in the baggage claim area. 
Last time we heard those words, Saul was hiding in the baggage claim area when he was supposed to be the one anointed king of Israel. So we have this great contrast between Saul, who the last time we heard baggage was hiding in the baggage cowardly, to David, who is rushing from the baggage and leaving the baggage, running straight into the battle. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. He ran to the ranks and went and he greeted his brothers. And can't you just hear him as he talks? As David talked with them, behold, the champion, this, this one, he's like, hey guys, what's going on? Dad told me to send you this food. And all of a sudden he hears in the background this champion, this Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and he said those same words as before. I defy the Israel armies. And David said, oh, wait a minute. What now? What, what do I hear going on? He's like, are y'all seriously do y'all not hear this guy standing up and defying the armies? I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Who's, who's going? Who did y'all choose? Surely someone is, surely we're not going to sit here and let this guy get away with this. Who's going to step forward? In verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him. They were very afraid. And the men of Israel said, as David intently listens, like, what's going on here? They said, have you seen this man? Have you seen how big he is who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And then they're spreading the word of what's going to, surely someone will find this reward worth it. We need someone to step up. And so they said, the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter. And make his father's house free in all of Israel. And David's like, wait, do what now? What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistines and takes away the reproach? Which daughter will he get of the king? But listen to how David describes the scene. As David steps up, as he sees all of the Israel armies cowering in fear because all they see is the natural eye. All they see is how impressive the, the how, how impressively difficult the situation is, how difficult the circumstances are, how impossible it seems. He says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What does that mean? We kind of lose that in translation. He's basically saying, who is this non-God-fearing Philistine? Who does he think he is that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice the different wording there. Everything else so far the text has been, I defy the armies of Israel. That's not what David says. He says, who is this unbelieving Philistine who dares to defy the armies of the living God? He sees it totally different than everyone else sees it. Of course, at this time, his big brothers are annoyed, as big brothers do, of their little brothers in verse 28. Why have you come down here? With whom have you left the sheep? What's going on with the sheep? They're out in the wilderness. I know your presumption and your evil heart. You've just come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? And I'm like, I've said that so many times. Was it just not a word? And he turned away from him 
toward another, and he said the same thing again. What is going on here? We're going to sit here and let this guy stand and defy the armies of the living God. In other words, David wasn't backing down. David was showing completely countercultural courage. He was bold and courageous despite the odds, despite the circumstance. There was no human physical reason for David to have this courage. And word starts to spread in verse 31 when the words that David spoke were heard. They repeated them to Saul. Hey, I think we got a guy who's just silly enough to stand in front of this Goliath. And so he sent for him. Now, David, remember, David, Saul, King Saul knows David because he's been having David come and play music for him to soothe him of his anxieties. So that's his perception of him. Like, wait, you're talking about David Granger, the worship leader? And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth. And he's been a man of war from, from his youth. This guy's nine feet tall. Have you seen him? He's been fighting wars longer than you've been alive, and you're just a runt of what? Who do you think you are? You are not going to go and have any chance of victory in this circumstance. David said to Saul in verse 34, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and it would take a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and I struck him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if it rose against me, I caught him by the beard, and I struck him, and I killed him. Let me stop there. At that point, if we stopped here in the text, the sermon would be this. Five steps to using your experiences in life to slay the giants in 2022. And you'd be like, oh, that's good. And I'd say, no, that's not. That's not the point of the text. The point of the text is not David's the hero. The point of the text is not just learn from your past and God's going to make you the hero in 2022 that you can do all things in Christ who strengthens you. So go conquer your giants, you heroes. That's not the point of the text. And you're going, that's the one I've heard over and over. So who's the hero in this text? Look at verse 36 as he continues to describe his victories on the field over lions and bears. Oh me, oh my. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this ungodly, unbelieving Philistine shall be just like one of them. Why? What is the reason? What is the basis of David's confidence that he will have victory over this giant? For he has defied the armies of the living God. He's coming against God, not me. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Do you see where his confidence is? 
He knows this is a battle for God. And he says, and God has always, always had my back. And he will continue to have my back. David's confidence is not in his own abilities, not in his own past experiences that has equipped him to know exactly where to throw the rock. The confidence is in the Lord. David's confidence is in the same God who has fought for me in the past will continue to fight for me in the future. And this better be what you take from this text if you want to have any hope of having courage and confidence to fight battles in 2022 is that it's all about the Lord. That's what it means to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. Or at school, that's what it means to be a a young man or young woman after God's heart is to know, number one, whatever you face, first and foremost, there's a spiritual battle. And it is a battle that you can absolutely count on God in the midst of that battle. This wasn't quite what you might expect the, the warrior, or the champion to come and stand up and face Goliath, but this is all he's got. So Saul's like, all right, I really don't have any other alternatives. So, all right, let's do this, David, let's go. But before you go, Saul said to David, go and be with the Lord. And then he started loading them up with his armor. And now in this scene that I don't read for you, but where he starts loading up with armor, all it does is highlight he's a runt. I mean, it's like the scene is like a, a dad taking, going into the closet, pulling out his old NFL football helmet and pa- shoulder pads and putting it on his son, and his son puts it on the helmets like out to here, and he's like, oh, that's cute. But you're not the one fighting the battle. And so he loads him up with his armor. He looks like this little runt. He's like, I can't do this. And he's like, So David, in verse 9, so David put off the armor, and then he took simple things that he was just doing what he does. He takes his staff in one hand, he chooses five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in the other hand, and he approached the Philistines. And right at this point, every commentary wants to know, why did he choose five stones? What is the secret to how to choose the right number of stones? Maybe because there's five books in the first part of the Bible, and so he chose, no, because in case he misses four times. He's got a fifth one. It's not about his skill. It's not about his accuracy. It's not about him other than the fact that he has one qualification. And that is, I am trusting in the Lord. And if the Lord has placed me in this battle, he's going to take care of me. He will fight this battle with me. So David's being David. He's just doing what he always does. He's been running errands back and forth a seemingly mundane life. And in that journey, the Lord saw fit. You're about to be in an epic battle. And he sees it through the eyes of faith that this is not a battle about me against you. This is a battle about Satan against God. And as he stands in front of this giant In verse 43, the Philistine says to David, Am I a dog that you should come at me with sticks? And here's his fatal mistake. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Bad move. Now you're fighting on David's terms. Because that's how David understood all along. This is a battle of the gods. My God versus your God. 
And we know who's going to win that, guy, that battle. In response, in verse 44, the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come, you come with a sword and you come at me with a spear and with a javelin. Now listen carefully to what he says. But I come to you in the name of Yahweh. And that's a formal name of the God of the Bible, of the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God who created the bears, who created the lions, who created this giant man. He says, I come at you in the name of Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day Yahweh will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I will cut your head off. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly who's watching here today may know that the Lord saves, not with a sword, Not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen? He dropped a mic, and he walked away. That's what I see. This little guy scurrying away. There's no doubt who's going to win the victory now, is it? The whole scene has changed. The whole feeling has changed. And what changed it? A simple act of faith. That's why you're here today. That's why all the assembly has gathered today to know in 2022, as you face your seemingly impossible circumstances, as you're going about doing your day, and you run smack face into that Goliath, may all the assembly know the Lord saves. Not with a sword, not with a spear, which are elements of human strength. Lord saves for what? For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give victory into our hands. I don't know what you're going to face in 2022. You don't either. This isn't about just naming it and claiming it. This is about saying in 2022, my prayer is that I have a heart after the Lord. And that means that you go about serving others like David is, he's rushing in and serving humbly. He's just doing his job. He's being faithful and mundane. And just know you're going to face a Goliath. The question is, what's your mindset? Are you aligned with the Lord? This shows us that David knew his whole life was all about advancing the glory of God through seemingly mundane tasks. Is that your mindset? That in your ordinary, your job, your parenting, your your neighboring, your being a citizen of this community, and all that you do, your seemingly mundane is a part of God's plan to advance his glory so that all may know that the God is, 
There is a God in this place. And it's going to probably be most profoundly shown when you face in seemingly insurmountable odds and how you respond in that situation. Are you aligned with God's mission to spread his glory? Are you facing your battles with confidence in the Lord? That's what God says. That's what this is all about. With that in mind, let's see who wins the battle. And it's amazingly short. It's like barely even mentioned. Oh, by the way, he wins. Verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly out there. He's swift because he doesn't have the armor. He ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it, just doing what he does. And he struck the Philistine in the forehead. The only part that was exposed, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face to the ground. Victory. Simple. It's not a battle. It's not back and forth and I wonder who's going to win. And David did some kind of video game backflip and karate chop and threw it. No. It was just straight up. I, I just do what I do. And I throw stones with a sling. And God gave the victory. No sword. So verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he struck the Philistine and he killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. The author wants to make that clear. This was not about his military might. complete victory. Verse 51, then David ran over. He stood over the Philistine. He took the sword. He drew it out. He killed him and he cut off his head with it and he lifts it up and everyone cheers and it's just like the God of Dagon, that statue that they dared put up next to the altar of God and God knocked him down and cut off his head and lifted it up for all to cheer. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they didn't bow down and say, we're your servants. They ran, they fled, and the man of Israel and Judah rose. And with a shout, they pursued the Philistines as far as Gath into the land of the giants and the gates of Ekron so that they wounded the Philistines. They fell on the way of Sharom and the Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered the camp. And David, listen to what he does. David took the head of the Philistine and he brought it to Jerusalem. And he staked it in the ground, which was a Canaanite city at this time. This was not the capital city of Israel yet. And he staked it in the ground as if to say, you are next. And he put his armor in his tent. Wow. Wow. What an amazing scene. In verse 55, King Saul's like, wait, who is this guy? As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, to the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this guy? And Abner said, I have no idea. In verse 56, and the king said, well, inquire whose son the boy is. That's the question. Who is this? Who's the seed? Who's this son? Who's the lineage? We've been studying this. We know the answer to this. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite, the one that God chose 
for this moment. And you trace that seed line all the way to Jesus, the promised son of David, the one that God chose for your greatest epic battle against Satan, who is clothed in scales, the great sea monster of Babylon, who dared raise his head up against the God of all creation. And Jesus grabbed him by the forehead and cut his head off, never to strike you again. Imagine the people as they looked at David that day and the love they had, how they wanted to embrace him and say, I will give you my life. I will follow you anywhere, my king, my savior, my champion. And that's Jesus. In 2022, may we be a people who exalt Jesus and embrace him as the great serpent slayer who cut the head of Satan off. And though that slithering snake still likes to tempt and torment, he has no venom left in his fangs. Trust Jesus as your savior. But then like David, know That God has one purpose for your life. What is that purpose? What do you want from me in 2022? I don't know the details, but I can tell you right now what God wants for you in 2022. To advance his glory wherever you go. And as you go, you're going to face an epic battle somewhere. It may be a battle for your marriage It may be a battle against some secret temptation that seems like it's gonna get the best of you. It may be that God says, I want you to share your faith with this person and you're thinking, no way. It may be that God, as we figure out in 22, 21, 22, what what does God want for us? Where does he want us to plant a, a church? Where does he want us to go? You may realize, I think God's stirring my heart to be a part of this and it scares me. Whatever it is, how are you responding? Is it with courage and confidence and eyes of faith to see that this is the the battle is the Lord's? And you can trust him. He has always been faithful. He is so committed to, to advancing his glory. You can trust he will fight for his glory. And when you align yourself with that force, You've got his force behind you saying, let's go, let's go. And it should invigorate you. It should make you courageous, uncharacteristically courageous to take steps of faith because you know God is in this. What does God have for you in 2022? Whatever it is, the battle is the Lord's. Let's do this. Father God, we pray you make us courageous courageous warriors for your glory and that we would step every day wherever you tell us to go and whatever we may encounter whatever we may face lord may we be courageous because we know the battle is yours christ has already won the victory we just need to be faithful and let you get the victory it's in christ's name we pray